You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. This is Boomer Esiason, and thank you for joining me for this week's edition of Game Time on Odyssey. Now be my guest as I welcome the Mets star center fielder, Brandon Nimmo. As the song goes, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. And as a lifelong Mets fan, today's guest has put countless smiles on my face with his consistent bat, his reliable fielding, his hustle on the base pass, and his perpetual smile. And it's my pleasure to welcome New York Mets center fielder, Brandon Nimmo. Brandon, it's Boomer here in New York. Welcome to game time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Boomer. Uh, really appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate your support as a Mets fan. All right, so you listen, you've been known as the happiest man in baseball. So where does all the joy come from? Um, you, you know, my, my dad and, and my mom, they were, um, they were really competitive and were in sports when, when they were uh, in high school and, and, and in college. But, uh, you know, they, they just taught me to, you know, to enjoy uh, having sports and, and to really respect the game. Um, and, and my dad was really instrumental in that. Um, you know, he would always tell me to play with my hair on fire, but um, but at all times, you know, to respect the game. And so um, the way to do that is, is to play hard um, and to have fun um, and, and, and always be prepared for, for any situation. So he was he was always on me to try and to try and respect the game and to play hard. And so uh, that's kind of where that's all come from. And, and, you know, like when I hustle to first base um, after a walk, you know, it's, it's normally just because like I feel like I just won that battle and I'm, you know, and I'm like, all right, yeah, like I'm pumped. I'm ready to get to first base, you know, and, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's just all, that all kind of came out with, with how I was brought up and, uh, you know, I wouldn't change a thing about it. I, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of my parents and what they did for me. You know, your former teammate Noah Syndergaard tweeted about you. My <laughs> theory, he's a Terminator sent from the future to kill us all with kindness. Uh, <laughs> so that's what Thor said about you. How do you feel about that? Uh, I, I love it. You know, uh, Noah and I were very close when, uh, when he was on the team and, uh, we would we would usually go out to to dinners together and you know that's very on point for Noah I I think that's hilarious that he said that but that means a lot you know I I I do want to uh I do want to you know bring joy and kindness uh to people that are around me um you know I I enjoy uh life I enjoy this blessing that I get to play this game as as that's a that's it well really it's a game and it gets to be my job uh you know it's a kid's game and it gets to be my job and so I'm really really blessed to get to be where I'm at and, and do what I do and so I want that uh, overflowing to other people around me you know I, if, if, if I if they're around me I want them to be uh, you know feeling that joy that I have for life and that kindness that, that I want to bring to other people um, you know I was always taught you know the, the golden rule 
rule when you were when you were young was to you know to treat others the way that you wanted to be treated and uh and i still try and live by that to this day and uh and so yeah that's funny i i, I do enjoy that comment and uh, <laughs> it's very important for noah <laughs> yes it is you know it's amazing you're already in your seventh major league baseball season it's it's just, it's amazing how fast time goes what people don't realize they may not know this but your career on base percentage is a terrific 386 so yeah. tell me about your mindset in in the box it's just about getting on base especially as a leadoff hitter just getting on base and setting the table for your teammates yeah exactly right um I, my concern is is to get on base and that doesn't matter if it's a walk if it's a hit by pitch um if it's uh, a base hit you know or or a home run you know I, it doesn't matter to me um but my my job is to get on base and in any way that they'll allow me to do that i just try and take what what the game gives me so um you know, I try and really locate and, and focus on the middle part of the plate. And if they leave something there, then, you know, I look to do damage and, and you know, I can I can hit a home run uh, here and there, uh, drive doubles or, you know, take the walk and, and get things started that way. So, um, you know, really, it's just taking what the game gives you and not trying to do too much. Um, if they challenge you, be ready for it and go go right after it. But if not, if they're going to go around you, then pass the baton on to the next person. And and I can, especially with my speed, I can score from first base on a, on a double. Uh, and, and so with that ability, I'm technically in scoring position from first base. So as soon as I get on base, um, I'm in scoring position, and that's a good thing for our team. And so that's my mentality is, is to get there. You know, for being such a nice guy in 2018, you actually led the majors by getting hit with the pitch 22 different times. Yeah. And for whatever reason, maybe other teams just hate you guys. This year, it seems like it's <laughs> happening game in and game out. And I think you actually lead the majors with hit by pitched players. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the mindset about that? Is that is there an art to that or are guys actually throwing at you guys? You know, it's it's. I don't. I don't personally think that it's it's necessarily an art. It's uh. It's kind of respect for not wanting to come in the zone, um, because there are holes in in every one of our swings and approaches, and uh, most of them are up and in, and so most of the time guys are trying to come up and in. Or even for me, I get hit on the back foot slider a lot, and they're trying to get you to chase on that. Um, and so I, I really, it just comes down to if they're left-handed and they're they're throwing hard, uh, I cannot bail out because that's where that's where there's curveball and slider starts is right on me. Uh, and so if it ends up being a fastball, then it's going to peg me right in the ribs or right in the elbow or something. But um, the game is so fast now that I really just you can't get out of the way of it. Um, in fact, that's one of the things that I had to. Um, almost practice when I was when I got into my uh, major league and actually just pro ball period was that if pitches started on me to not flinch because then you were you were done right right away uh, you couldn't make the adjustment on it so it's something that actually had to be practiced when I was when I was uh, coming into pro ball was with softer balls 
They would start pulls <laughs> right on you, and some of them would break out over the plate, and some of them would just nail you. And uh, and I I had to do that because I had to get used to all right. If that slider comes back over the plate, then I, I've got to hit it. So now now you just can't get out of the way of it. And that's one of the places to pitch us is inside, and so um, they're gonna miss balls in and and hit you. Um, but uh, I don't know. I there's only one that I know of that was on purpose, and that was. <laughs> Uh, Rick Purcello, uh, it was in Boston, and he was on the team afterwards. So we talked about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I was, I was drilling you on purpose." It was because we had accidentally hit Mookie, and they said that's a no-no. So they they drilled me the next <laughs> inning, but the at bat after that, and not not that I tried to, but I, I did hit a home run, a three-run home run off, of him, <laughs> and it gave us lead uh two or three run home run it gave us the lead he said that's the way you handle getting hit by a pitch he's like i i respected you for that so you know what that's a game within the game and i want to ask you real quickly you know all met fans as the season started and i'll be the guy at the front of the line couldn't yeah. wait to see both max scherzer and jacob Degrom. you have hit against uh max scherzer and you've yeah. also now watched him from your center field position yeah. quickly how do you explain how good he is and how good jacob Degrom will be well, Max is a bulldog on, on, on the mound, and I always knew that facing him as well, and his stuff speaks for itself. Uh, he, he's an amazing pitcher, but where he gets his, uh, let's say, superpowers is, uh, is from his mentality. His mentality is that you are not going to beat him when he is on the mound, and he comes after you with everything that he's got. I mean, he just... He is so competitive that he will not let you beat him. I mean, that is that is his mindset up there. So with everything that he has stuff-wise and command-wise, it really comes down to his his personality and, and his competitiveness. And that that's what makes him elite. As far as Jake goes, he might not seem it um, from the outside because he is a lot more calm um, and, and controls like his emotions and doesn't doesn't do as much. But he's just as competitive. Uh, he'll beat you at twiddly winks if, if he gets the chance. Like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter. And I've been I've had the fortune of being around him for a while now, and it's that same mentality of I. Everyone knows what I'm going to throw you a down and away fastball right now, and everyone knows it in the stadium. But I don't think you can hit it, and I'm going to get and I'm going to give it to you. And so that's what Jake does. And obviously, I faced him as well in spring training, and he has some of the best stuff that I've ever seen. Um, it breaks so late. His fastball has so much life on it. Um, it's it's it really is amazing um, to to see. But he's pinpoint location with all of that so it makes them both just unbelievable pitchers my fingers are crossed right here brandon hopefully both of them stay healthy we just get it warmed up with the great and funny brandon nimmo we'll explore <laughs> his early aspirations to be a rodeo cowboy yeah a yeah. rodeo cowboy when game time continues right after this <laughs> It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to Game Time, everyone. Brandon Nimmo grew up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, just two hours north of Denver. Although he's avidly rooted for the Colorado Rockies, his bedroom walls, get this, were instead adorned with posters of his favorite Bulls. And yep. we're not talking, you know, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. We're actually talking real Bulls. Now, your dad is a CPA, I know, but he also worked for the local rodeo arena Frontier Days. And you actually had your first ride in a bull calf what, at the age of seven with your grandpa? Yes, yes, sir. Yeah. So it's like a rite of passage in our family that uh, you hop on a calf when you're around seven years old and, you know, you try and ride it. So I got bucked off the first time pretty quickly. So they sent me on the second one and uh, I stayed on that one longer, maybe, you know, maybe six, seven seconds. I don't know if I made the full eight, but uh, kind of ran around while I was on the ground and stepped on my ankle and they got on video that I said I didn't want to do it anymore. And so they said, my dad told me it's not if you get hurt in rodeo it's when you get hurt and so we want to make sure that you're not <laughs> um so yeah so they got it on videotape but yeah i wanted to ride bulls oh so badly i would i had all the magazines i had the posters on my wall and i had a little bouncy ball that i would act like was a bull and would and would ride uh, when i was younger and uh, it was a real passion of mine but i think the baseball route worked out okay you know, here's the amazing thing. In Wyoming, I believe, is one of four states that does not have high school baseball. And your dad noticed something about you and baseball. He built you a 40 by 60 barn that supposedly was bigger than your house. And I don't think your mom was very happy about that. So I'm just trying to think. All right, so here you are in the middle of Wyoming. It's, you know, what, 70 degrees below zero with 70 mile an hour winds blowing yep. all over the place. And here you are in the wintertime hitting baseballs inside a barn. What was that yep. like? You're, you're, you're right. You know, my dad, um, he, he got us a place to go where when it was really, really bad for seven, six, seven months out of the year. And, uh, you know, we even had like a little jet engine looking heater in there to, to warm things up to, you know, 50 degrees from 20 or whatever. And uh, and it, it was honestly instrumental in, in my uh, development because it allowed me to get out for even just 30 minutes a day when when guys down in, in uh, you know, Florida or California or Texas, when they were getting to play year round. I had to go and just work in the barn and hit off the machine. Um, and he even got me, uh, you know, one thing that, that'll feed it to you so that no one else has to be out there. Just you can be out there and you get your dozen balls and you feed them to yourself and you go and hit them. You go pick them up, you go put them in there and you, you hit them again. And I was able to do that and work on my swing uh, even when it was 20 degrees outside. And so, uh, again, one of those things that I'm just so thankful for with, with my dad and, and my mom, uh, they were so supportive of us and, and I would not be in this position without them. But, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It, it was something that um, I had an older brother and he, he was uh, really good at baseball as well, played at the University of Nebraska. Um and he saw that with him, he just needed a few more resources when he was young. And so I was able to benefit from that. And uh, my mom was not happy about that. <laughs> you are correct about yeah. that. 
Uh, All right. Well, it, you, you, I was going to say you hit you hit fastballs, curves, sliders, changeups. Tell me what a windup Wilma is. <laughs> yeah, my mom. My mom would give me the windup Wilma when I was young, and so she would. Uh, yeah, she would like rock back and and do this like real long windup, and then get and then give me the pitch. And uh, she she was just having fun with it. Uh, it was a blast. We would have. I think we have a video of me with like one of those big orange barreled bats, and she's throwing me the ball in there in the front yard. And so yeah, even if it wasn't my dad uh, being out there, my mom come out uh, I remember one time she came out to the barn and was feeding me balls and I threw them back to her and it hit like a bad hop and came up and actually gave her a black eye and I felt so bad and uh, but she was willing to do whatever whatever it took to to get us uh, whatever help we needed and uh, I'm so thankful for that so your mom Patty got out there and actually threw some pitches to you I love that yeah. Yep, she would she would give him uh, give me the wind up Wilma, and uh, it's still a joke to this day that she would. Uh, she's like, well, you know, if I, she's like, if I, uh, if I'm like struggling or whatever, she'll be like, well, do you need me to come and give you the wind up Wilma and see if that'll. Help? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, Brandon, you act. I mean, so Wyoming, I'm, I'm sure you probably had spring baseball that you played. I, I got to believe you played in some 20, 20 degree days, right? Yeah. I definitely played in some blizzards. Um, you know, there there were times where you just picked out the bigger snowflake. Um, but uh, you know, it 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 was something that uh, the the spring in, in Wyoming can be literally twenty degrees, thirty degrees one day, and then the next day it's sixty five and sunny. And and so we would just we would schedule tournaments or or games with other Wyoming teams. Um, and you know, if it looked like it was going to absolutely be terrible on Sunday, well then you'd play three games on Saturday and, you know, and so, um, you know, it, it, you made it work. Um, but no, it was, it, it was not easy and there was plenty of, uh, plenty of, of obstacles to overcome. I, I, in fact, for college, I made it a requirement that it, they had to be south of the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> that I'm, I'm done playing in the cold. And little did I know I'd be coming to New York. <laughs> so let's be honest. When you were growing up in Cheyenne, did you ever have a hankering, say, for a pastrami sandwich or an egg roll or even a knish? You know, I, I don't even think I knew what those things were when I was in Wyoming. I, I was so green and I, I, I didn't know a dang thing about the world. Um, I I came into Brooklyn and it was a total culture shock for me. Uh, riding like I rode the subway a couple times and, and was was re I, re I really had to like work up the courage for that because I was like, man, I don't I don't know. I hear all these stories about it. And so I had to work up the courage to even do that. I was wondering where the all garden was where's the texas roadhouse like <laughs> and and little did i know that some of the best food in the world was right underneath my nose i just need to look for it and so um you know now i look back on myself and i'm like man i i just didn't know much it was just ignorance and uh and and it was such a culture shock for me but uh but such a good thing for me to have before even coming to new york to get used to being there uh and, and i had a blast playing there they draw so well um it's one of the best minor league parks to play in um and you get a lot of support so i am very very thankful for it it was tough to go through when i did but um but i i'm very very glad that that we did to go through it
You know, the, the funny thing is what people don't understand about the Mets minor league system back then is, all right, you start in Brooklyn, and yeah. then when you're making your way through their minor league system, their triple-A team happens to be out in Las Vegas. Yep. And, and then in 2016, you go to Vegas. And, you know, what was, what was that like when you got the call up from the Mets and you're sitting there out there in Las Vegas? Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was um, – it, it was – Really fun because Wally Backman made it really, really fun. We were we were in uh, Reno, Nevada, and we were getting ready to leave. And he he called me to the office and he said, "Hey, um, you know, just gonna let you know you're playing great. Um, this is the best, most improvement I've seen in a player in a in a first half in, in a long time. And if you just keep doing that, you're gonna be fine playing in the big leagues." But uh, bad news is uh, the flight that we scheduled, you know, it's full and, you know, we try and schedule these in advance. So we have one more guy. So you're, you're kind of lowest man on the totem pole and you're going to have to take a different flight tomorrow. And I was like, OK, that's fine. No, no worries. And so uh, I was like, thank you for everything. And, and I went go out the door. And as I'm going out the door, he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, that flight goes to Atlanta. And I was like, Atlanta? And then it kind of hit me that I was like, oh, my gosh, the Mets are in Atlanta. So Wally made it a, a ton of fun and uh, it made it made a great story out of it. And, you know, I just remember, like, feeling like uh, this can't be happening. You know, it, it's just so surreal. And I called my parents and, and told them, you know, hey, I don't know how, but you got to find a way to get to Atlanta because getting called up, it just felt like uh, very much like that movie, The Rookie, you know, where he gives yep. the ball. And, and I, so I just, uh, I remember that and, and just being so ecstatic and just a dream come true and, and a lot of hard work paying off. And, uh, but man, yeah, then a six hour flight on out there. So, and you're playing, you know, you're playing that night. Luckily they gave me the night off because Terry TTC, he was like, Hey, you've traveled a lot. Uh, it's a big day for you. Just soak it in and you'll, you'll play tomorrow. And, uh, so I was really thankful for that, but man, it was, it was such a great experience and such a surreal experience. You know what? I love the fact that Wally Backman was playing with you like that. Cause he knew exactly what was going on and he yeah. knew it was your dream. It was your dream come true. Now, right. before your first game, you supposedly took a photo of your locker Yes. You soak it all in. You just yep. said to soak it all in. Now, you also embraced your father at the stadium and told him, we made it. We finally yep. made it. Yep. And this is what I love about you, Brandon. Use the word we. You don't yep. use the word me. So how happy were you for your parents? You know, as I've said up to this point, I would not be here without the support system that I've had. And um, and so it, it was not me, uh, only me that, that made it to the big leagues. My, my mom and my dad and my family, they sacrificed in order that I would have the opportunities. They traveled all over the country so that I could play. Um, and, you know, during tax season, I know not people know this, but uh, CPAs, I, I only see them for like 30 minutes a day. And, and during those 30 minutes, he would try and help me out however he could. Whereas I know even now when I get back from the field, I'm pretty tired and I, you know, I don't want to do much, but my dad would always find the energy and my mom would always try and, and, you know, drive us wherever and, and pick up the, uh, the slack wherever it needed to be picked up. And, and so, it was not, yeah, it was not just a, a me situation. It was a we, and and I was so thankful, and it means so much to, to my dad as well. Um, he was he was there in every step of the way, and and um, and he he wanted this just as badly uh, for me as I did. He never never pushed it on me, but 
when when I said this is what I want to do, he was all in. And um, and so I, you know, I was just such a great moment for me to embrace him uh, and be like, I, you know, we we did it. We we came from where we weren't supposed to come from to get to the big leagues, and and you know, this is this is happening, and we get to enjoy it now. And so um, I I still lean on them so much. They're my biggest cheerleaders. Um, and they, they give me, you know, confidence and they give me support when, uh, you know, when I might be even questioning myself. So, um, wouldn't be here without them and very, very, uh, very, very thankful for them. Yeah. With the way they're throwing money around these days of professional sports, having a CPA for a dad is going to help you in the long run. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back to get Brandon's thoughts on America's national pastime and wow, it continues to evolve right now, right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone. On June 19, 2018, Brandon Nimmo put on a show for his family and friends at Coors Field. Now, remember, I told you he was a Rockies fan growing up. He led off the game with an inside-the-park home run, circling the bases in just under 15 seconds. Then he crushed a 400-foot a home run to deep right center and that performance demonstrates his unique combination of speed and power and why we as Met fans love him you know that had to be one of the highlights of your career that game because it was in front of family and friends yes. you know let me ask you a question I know why you run down the first base after a walk the way you do you hustle down and you ran you ran the inside the park 15 seconds that was great mm-hmm. but you know there's a reason why they call it the home run trot you're supposed to take <laughs> it all in you know, when you hit a home run over the fence, take it all in and enjoy the moment. Yeah, you know, I uh, I don't know. I don't know why I do that. The, the, the best reason that I have is that I had a few uh, times when I thought they were home runs in, in, uh, in the minor leagues and they ended up hitting off the wall or something like that. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, well, that's not going to happen to me again. Uh, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go right, right out of the box. So. Now every time that I hit the ball, I'm I'm sprinting and I'm trying to get to second base at least, if not third. Uh, and then if it happens to go over the wall, then it happens to go over the wall. And if I see it go over, it's like I kind of just take it down to like uh, 75% for me. Like rather than 100, I just take it down to 75. But my 75 still still moving all right. So um, so it I does seem like to everyone like I'm sprinting around the bases. But it's a nice trot for me. It's just not not, not quite the slow ganter that 
than everybody else does. <laughs> well, I think I speak for all baseball fans. We appreciate the hustle and the respect of the game, that's for sure. Now, speaking Thanks. of the Rockies, I know that you admired Todd Helton growing up, and you got a chance to talk to Todd. What was it like talking to your childhood hero, and what did you guys talk about? Yeah, you know, I, I did get a chance to talk to him, and, and what I was really trying to um, to uncover and just see from him and get some advice from him for was um, how he hit lefty so well in his career. Um, up to that point, I had struggled just, you know, a little bit, and I thought there was more in the tank, and, and so I was like, um, you know, it would be amazing to be able to talk to Todd Helton, and um the media was able to actually get me that contact information and, and he took out the time. So thankful to him for that. But we talked, we talked about, you know, what he would do on an, on a daily basis in order to prepare for hitting lefties for 162 games. And, um, and so he gave me some tips. He told me how he had a, you know, his strength coach happened to be left-handed and he would have him throw MVP every day and, uh, and how he would start to have him like pitch to him and, and he would get used to that. And he would, um, and so I took that and I, and I started using that in my routine and he kind of talked to me about his approach with runners in scoring position and, and just, we we talked baseball and just you know he was so great uh, so good to me in get, to giving me that time and and um, giving me those those tips on you know the things that he did to be so successful in his career and I watched him man all the time when I was young and so it was just such a great experience for me to get to you know try and, and just be a sponge around him and just you know grab a few things and and, and use them in my own uh, in my own career. And uh, I was just really, really thankful because I've heard that uh, he's sometimes hard to get a hold of now. So <laughs> really, I'm really sure cool. he is. I'm yeah. sure he is. So, you know, I, I, I have something about your team this year that I noticed, and I don't know if this is something that Buck Showalter did or if it's analytics or what the story is, but you guys are playing deeper in the outfield than you ever have before. Yeah. And then I looked it up and it said, you guys are averaging 11 feet deeper this year than you had the years before. Why is that? Um, you know, it, it's essentially to take away the extra base hits. We believe our, our pitchers are so good that um, if we can limit the amount of extra base hits and keep them to singles, that our pitchers can induce double plays, that they can get strikeouts, and that they can need, you know, two or three hits in a row in order to score runs. Um, and so, you know, with, with that being said, it's our job to try and take away the doubles, the triples. Um, and if we're lucky, even a few home runs, if we can, you know, rob them. So, um, so that was the thinking behind it. Um, and it's paid off pretty well for us this year. Um, we're playing a good, a good outfield defense. And uh, we also like the ability of, of guys like me, Starling and Mark, to be able to charge in and, and catch balls that, um, you know, might be, uh, might be singles, but, uh, but they might hang up a little bit longer. And so we're, we're doing a good job of that this year. You know, one of the things also that just came out in the last couple of weeks, Commissioner Rob Manfred said that robo umpires are going to be calling balls and strikes starting in 2024. Is that good for baseball, you think? You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I didn't think the technology would be ready so soon, but um, – you know, it, it'll be an adjustment period. Uh, there's no question uh, because you do have the the human element in it right now, where where there is uh, you know mistakes on both sides. For strikes, sometimes are called balls, and balls are sometimes sometimes called strikes. 
But I will say for the most part, they, they do do a, a really good job and, and it's actually quite impressive. Um, and, and so, you know, will it be good for baseball? It will make it more consistent, I, I suppose. And, uh, but time will tell if it's something that'll stick around. Um, you know, I, I, I've always kind of enjoyed the human element that, that comes with it, but also, um, I, I get it that people want more consistency. So it just depends on which, which side you stand on. You know, I'm a little bit older than you, Brandon, and uh, I remember the days of Lou Pinella picking up third base and throwing it at the umpire. So uh, I'm going to miss the human interaction that way. I don't know who we're going to yell at or who we're going to blame as baseball fans or the manager in the dugout. Who are we going to yell at, Brandon? Uh, yeah, I mean, it does it does start to stop that, doesn't it? I know, and that's the fun part of baseball that, um, that w- w- would go not away completely, I don't think, but but would go away uh, mostly. So, I, like I said, it depends what kind of what kind of uh, spectrum you land on, if if you like it or not. I have a little. Uh, I want to take you through a little quiz, if you wouldn't mind. You're up for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm up for it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Now this is not going to be easy. No. It's uh, it's it's going to be a little bit of a um, the theme is a comparison between your two homes, Cheyenne, Wyoming and New York City, all right? Somebody said that they were very similar, although Manhattan uh, has some more broken parking meters or something like that. (laughs) All right, so here we go. Which is bigger, Wyoming's Grand Teton National Park or Manhattan's Central Park? Oh, Grand Teton National Park. That's exactly right. That was an easy one. Not factoring in traffic, not factoring in traffic, (laughs) which is faster, driving from Cheyenne, the capital of Wyoming, to Coors Field, or driving from Albany, the capital of New York State, to City Field? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm actually going to go with Albany to City Field. Nope, Cheyenne to Coors, 50 miles shorter distance. 50 miles. Okay, I got you. But you can go 85 miles an hour in in Wyoming. (laughs) I said you're not allowed to factor in traffic. All right, right, you got me. There is an Albany County in Wyoming, as you know, home of the University of Wyoming in Laramie. Is there a Wyoming County in New York State? I think there is. I do. I do, yes. I do think there is a Wyoming. There is, just east of Buffalo. Very good. I remember seeing Uh, that bus ride one time like Wyoming in New York what is this see there's always something all right here we go number four wild Bill Hickok Butch Cassidy and Jesse James were all infamous old west outlaws which one lived and worked in Wyoming oh uh Buffalo Bill uh he was in in Cody Wyoming uh you mean wild Bill is that what you're saying yeah, yeah, wild buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, they, they. Yeah. I went to the museum in Cody. It, yeah, but so you said Buffalo Bill. I'm saying Wild Bill. Oh yeah, Wild Bill. Okay, we'll we'll go with Wild. And maybe I got them mixed up. Wild you got them mixed up because it's Butch Cassidy, aka Robert Leroy Parker. Oh shoot! <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, here we go. Cheyenne is the fifth windiest city in America. In January of 2021, it recorded an unusually high wind gust. Was that wind gust faster in miles per hour than Jacob DeGrom's best ever fastball? Oh, oh over 100. Uh, yeah, it could happen. It could happen. 105 miles yeah. an hour. It happened on January 4th, 2021. So, yes, you got that one right. Yep. The immortal Willie Mays. You know who he is, of course. He's known as the Say Hey Kid. He played center field for two New York teams. Who are they? 
the New York Giants, and man, I don't know who the second one is. That's yeah, who are you playing for? Oh, okay. So the New York Mets. Yes, of course. Wow. And you play the same position. How do you not know that? I I knew I knew he played for the Giants, but I didn't know that the that he he must have ended his career. At the... Yes, he did. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Okay, Cheyenne, last one. Cheyenne is uh, the Wyoming city with the largest population. Could you fit the entire population into MetLife Stadium in New Jersey? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Any idea how many seats you would have to spare? Um, so MetLife, maybe like 10,000? 18,000 seats. Gotcha. Yeah, nice. Yeah, not many people in Wyoming. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? It's great to talk to you, Brandon. Keep up the good work. Keep up the, the happiness and, and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you so much, Boomer. Thanks for having me on. This is Boomer Esiason, and be sure to listen next week on my new Game Time podcast when I'll be joined by all-pro defensive great Darius Shaquille Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts. Thanks for listening.